Welcome to the first Drupal Easy Podcast. I'm Andrew Riley, and four out of five dentists agree that mice should not ride motorcycles. Welcome to Drupal Easy Podcast, episode 200. We decided to start this podcast a little bit different than episode one. Um, uh, Andrew, does that stat, does that still uh, true? Uh, I'm hoping it's moved to five out of five now, but you can't trust those dentists. Is that like some crazy reference or did you just like uh, pull that out of uh, thin air? I I don't remember exactly saying it, but I could hear my uh, frame of mind. Like I need to say something, get something out and that popped out. So there's an insight of what my mind throws out in a panic. And there's a little preview of what this podcast is going to be all about today. Um, We decided for episode 200 that... The three original Drupal Easy podcasters uh, would get together. So that was Andrew Riley, who I don't think, Andrew, you haven't been on the podcast for more than a few months, right? Yeah, it's been a little while. Been busy, you know? Yeah, the red hat keeps you busy, huh? Oh, yeah. Well, that and, uh, you know, family life stuff, it's been kind of crazy. Exactly. Well, good to hear your voice again. And uh, also joining us, Mr. Ryan Price. How are you, Ryan? Wonderful. And, uh... You know, I was thinking on the first couple of podcasts, I had my cat in the background. I thought I would invite him, uh, but you can hear my dogs for sure. I would bet if you have good hearing. I actually, as I was listening to episode one last night and pulling clips, there's actually a funny part um, where there was just a lot of background noise coming from you. It's it's back when you used to live near train tracks. Yep. And a train went by, and we commented on it. But I couldn't get, like, a short enough clip. It, it kind of went on for a while, so I didn't pull that one. But having background noises from your microphone is kind of a recurring theme. <laughs> <our podcast>. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and get going here. Um, like I said, I figured it'd be fun to kind of look back at, at episode one. Um, so let's go ahead and we heard how Andrew introduced himself, but uh, here's how I introduced myself back then. How you doing today, Mike? All right. I'm Mike Anello, and um, a guy next to me in my office here has been painting, so things might be a little interesting later on as the fumes waft over here. All right. So I have no recollection of that at all. Well, it could have been the fumes. I don't even like, I can't even picture the office I was in at the time. Like, I don't ever remember being in an office next to someone who paints. And that's literally, like, less than a minute into the podcast, as I'm listening to it last night, I get really scared of, like, what else do I not remember or have no recollection of? Well, what what date was our first podcast out there? What year are we talking about? It was February 17th, 2009. Okay. So, what's that? Eight, uh, almost nine years ago. It'll be nine yeah. years in February. Yeah. Oh, don't worry. It gets worse. These, these get worse for sure. So here's oh, how, no. yeah, I'm sorry. Here's how Ryan introduced himself. Hi, I'm Ryan. And contrary to popular belief, I do not have a warm gooey chocolate center. Uh, that, if you ask me, that could have been Ryan's introduction today. So. <laughs> <laughs> like Ryan, you, your, your voice, nothing. When I heard that, I'm like, nothing's changed. I, I think I think my um, my voice sounds a little more I don't know it, maybe it's just the MP3 compression that I'm hearing over Skype, but uh, it's I feel like it sounds a little younger to me. But does it? 
You're more of a of a grizzled veteran now. Her. <laughs> exactly. All right, so let's. Um, I want to look back at the five stories that we talked about because we had a slightly different format uh, back then. Um, where the format now is more interview-based, and sometimes every now and then we'll do like a news-based uh, episode. Back then it was, it was you know, stories and picks of the week and a site of the week and, you know, very few interviews at the beginning. We even had uh, listener mail and stuff. Well, we had, we had uh, listeners sending in mails. Um, and also, didn't we call it, though, the module of the week? Did we call it module? Yeah, I think so at the beginning, yeah. Oh, okay. I have it. Yeah, I don't when, even listening to it last night. I don't recall now. All right. Well, module of the week, um, and we're going to get to that in a bit. But let's let's kind of review the five stories that we covered. Um, uh, the first one was uh, Drees running unopposed for the Drupal Association president, and we were kind of talking about you know who is going to possibly run against him and how long would he potentially serve. Um, it also came up, uh, the fact that, um, he had, re- he had either gotten or received a, a, a Drupal bike, a blue bike. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Which, which led to this clip. Now the guy does have a Drupal bike. I mean, shouldn't he just be president because of that? <laughs> I think, I think whoever becomes president should get the bike. Uh, interesting. That could be like, you know, like the trophy that gets handed down from president to president. Actually, I'm kind of surprised he has a picture of his kid with the bike. I'm surprised the baby hasn't like had his skin dyed blue yet and have a Drupalcon <laughs> like makeup on all the time, like a member of Kiss. Ryan, really? <laughs> <laughs> We, we had to keep it punchy. I mean, we wanted people to come back for more hijinks. Yeah, we need that zing. <laughs> that was some serious zing. I, I, actually, I actually have heard from people at various Drupal cons that the, the banter is one of the things that makes them keep listening to our otherwise, you know, like very straight-laced coverage of the Drupal community. Okay, well, that's good to hear. So keep doing that. <laughs> keep advocating for dying young children blue <laughs> yes well but wait is anyone asked does Dries still have the bike it's nine years later does he still have it i thought you were gonna ask if he still has the kids, <laughs> Are the kids oh still blue? I, i'm hoping he does but hey that's his own thing i don't know that's something uh, we could we could get our crack research team on to find out if he still has that bike excellent it, it's uh i'm gonna guess it's in a barn in belgium being used by uh, being used by his kids. That's just the way I picture you know bikes in Belgium are stored in barns. Uh, nice alliteration there. Or is that onomatopoeia? No, I think it was. Uh, it was I don't a know. Lot of, it was a lot of bees, so I think it's alliteration. Okay. All right. So story number two, we did a quick preview of DrupalCon Paris, um, and we also I think DrupalCon Paris had just been announced that that the European DrupalCon is going to be in Paris. Um, DrupalCon DC was right around the corner and we talked about how um, we were all going to DC and we also talked about how it it looked like I was definitely going to go to Paris Ryan, you were trying to figure out a way to make it happen and Andrew, there was no way that your employer was sending you to Paris Yep, but I did go to DC and it almost killed me That's right, that's how you became patient zero Yeah, oh yeah, you are when when there's a sickness at a DrupalCon, it um it usually originates with you. Yeah, and 
not to go into too much detail, but do not go into a Brazilian steakhouse the night before getting the Drupal flu. All right. Good tip. Good tip. <laughs> uh, our next story is, uh, this one I got the most uh, amusement listening to last night, was we did an overview of mobile-related modules. Um, it, was, I, it actually wasn't, we didn't do an overview of the modules. We did an overview of a presentation that was going to be given <laughs> on mobile modules at DrupalCon DC. Well, it, that was an interesting time because back then, you know, like they used to actually detect which device you were using as some way of like determining capabilities. Like, like yes, not like... channeling yourself. Oh, oh, okay, good. Well, it's like, is it the iPhone 1 or is it the Android whatever? Or is it a Nokia? I'm trying to remember what else existed in uh, 2008. And how did we typically sense what device it was? Do you remember the technology? I want to say it was just by the user agent string. Or oh, is there like a specific library? I don't know. Well, here, you're about to find out. So as I was looking into it, it seems like the, the, there's a number of theme switching modules available that use either the BrowseCap file or third-party oh, service to right. you know, switch the theme based on who's hitting it or what, what kind of device is hitting it. So that conversation went on for a few minutes, and at no point did any of us bring up or talk about um, media queries and CSS. I don't know if I knew if they existed at that time. I, I don't know if the word responsive design had been coined at that point. We could look that up, go ask Ethan Marcotte, but I'm not sure. Yeah, it was just it was just funny to listen to it. And, you know, as we kind of talked about all the ways to, you know, all the potential ways to make a site, you know, work well on smaller screens, it, all we talked about was modules that had theme switchers. And, you know, good themes that worked well on small devices. And I remember theme switching based on whatever technology, browser cap or anything else, was nightmarish due to caching. So you had to do have all kinds of workarounds and it was guaranteed to break something. Okay, so next story we covered um, was, it, it was about the, a module, um, a contrib module called the plugin manager module. And the bigger context was that this plugin module, plugin manager module, was its goal was to make Drupal work more like WordPress, where you were able to install modules from the UI. <laughs> and after talking about it for a few minutes, I was all gung ho. I was ready to like recommend it to my clients. Um, Ryan, you wanted it to update Core as well, which it still doesn't. And Andrew saw it as a crutch. Andrew, basically, you did a great job, you know, eight and a half, nine years ago. Woohoo! And it was funny listening to you talk about how the fact, like, if you have, you said something along the lines of, if you're in, like, a really professional environment or something, you're going to have a dev site in addition to your production site. And, that, and what happens if you, like, download and install a module on production and it breaks? Like, very early on, you were talking about DevOps. Um, in, in its infancy, I think. Uh, and I think that's probably because you, at the time, you were working for like a, a, a professional digital agency and you know Ryan and I were, were, were contractors. So I think you were kind of more in that frame of mind than we were. Um, we didn't make any mention at all of version control. 
about how adding a module via the UI might interact with with any version control that these were in the pre-git days well i was going to say i don't even know that i really was using subversion regularly until i got to um popular science until i got to bonier this was you were already there was i already there okay that then then i had just oh you know what it was actually i remember now because i registered the domain name drupaleasy.com from the bonier office i had the idea i was like man, people need to write more articles about how to do some of this Drupal stuff. You know, like, I, I should write more articles. And then we had the first meetup around that. What, it was, we had been doing the meetup, I think, for a while. But then um, Andrew, I think, was the one who suggested that we do a podcast. This next clip I'm going to play comes from this discussion. Um, and it made me laugh out loud. Not at, at the time it wasn't funny. But here... Listening back at the reference that you make in here, uh, Ryan, is, is is pretty darn funny. Which I think people who are new—I don't want to even say new to the inter- internet, but like you know, maybe uh, people in their early twenties may not get this reference, which is kind of scary. There's a lot of risk involved, like Andrew was saying. If you break your production site and your popular science, what do you do? You know, you've, you're getting dug on a regular basis. You're getting dug on a regular basis. Dig.com. Remember that site? Oh, yeah. I loved that site. Yeah. And, the, and at this point, it was the first iteration, not even the second or third iterations of Dig.com. Yeah. Like, I was surprised. I, I think at that point, you know, nine years ago, Dig was maybe at its height. Um, but even, like, listening to Patrick, I'm like, Dig must have been, like, super hot right then because there was still, like, being slashed at was a thing. Yeah. Um, but you went with dig and not slash dot. Well, and if anyone is still scratching their head, just it's it's like Reddit, just but prettier. Well, and for uh, eight more, nine more years in the future, it's like a social media site where you share links and you can upvote it and downvote and have conversations about it. Thank you, Andrew. Yes, always thinking about those time travelers. Okay, so we have one more clip from that discussion uh, from Andrew. Here we go. Uh, just go multi-site. It's easier. <laughs> there we go. That was your suggestion. <laughs> but what does multi-site fix for this? I don't completely get my own comment. I think the I think your the thought process was: what if you have fifty sites to update? Ah, uh, right. So if you have fifty sites and you have to go into the UI and click that button fifty times or whatever, but if we had multi-site, you only do it once. I think that's what you were going going for. It's funny because I haven't done a multi-site in like four or five years now. Yeah, that might be my favorite clip. Like I might keep that clip around and just drop that into future podcasts whenever we're... Yeah, just throw it on the soundboard. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Andrew says use multi-site, so must be right. All right, so our fifth story was amazeballs, I thought. Um, Fields and core, the field API was not a thing yet. And so... Apparently, I did some research into field and core, fields and core and came up with five good things that are going to happen because of fields and core. Um, so these aren't things that were necessarily like in the issue queue, but there's just like discussion and stuff off Drupal Planet and whatnot. Um, so I'm going to go through the five of them because I think they're all you know, kind of interesting looking back. Some of them, you know, even humorous. Number one, uh, I was excited about the fact you can assign permissions to a particular field. 
Um, I think that's pretty much called the field permissions module now. I'm not really sure that's even part of field API. Actually, it's not really part of field API, but. Um, and then we talked a bit about the ability to assign fields to anything, which is pretty close to what we have now. You know, we're not assigning fields to anything. We're assigning fields to fieldable entities. But we even went into that discussion about, you know, could you then assign a field to another field? That's called paragraphs now. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And then I came up with this gem, and I, have, I still don't know what this means, uh, Basically, I said that one of the good things about fields and core is that it would make Drupal more of a web development platform than just a CMS. So I have no idea what that means. Were you hanging out with marketing people on that day? <laughs> that could have just been me trying to fill space at that point. <laughs> <laughs> the fourth one, uh, I think, is probably the most accurate, is it provides a consistent way to attach data to nodes. You know, maybe replace the word data with fields, but I think that's a pretty fair statement. It's one of the things I think we all love about the field API is if you add a field to a node, it's the exact same process and screens as adding a field to a user profile or a product or, or something. Well, and I remember part of this one from back in the day. I mean, you had CCK, there was FlexiNode, and then there was Write Your Own. So you never knew what you were walking into when you inherited a site. Yeah, what, yeah. as far as what kind of fields, what the process was to add fields. to. Th and then there was PHP in the body. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and then the last uh, one that I came up with, which was, again, kind of funny if you're looking back at it, I was saying, well, it's going to make fields the main, and I literally used the word entity in Drupal. So it would Whoa. make fields like the main entity, the main thing in Drupal. Um, and I have a couple clips uh uh, from that discussion. So here's the first one. All right. So number five, um, it, it basically it makes fields the uh, you know the main entity in Drupal. Right. So that's not super exciting because that's what I just said. So here's the second one. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm really hoping that this ends some of the ambiguity. Yeah, I got that one right. Uh, that some modules have, like the location module. You can implement it as a field, or you could have its own kind of node add-on ability. I am really hope that this will lead everyone down one path of just using fields, just to make things that much easier. Yeah, that, that's, that's a real confusing thing. You know, even with, with voting stuff. Uh, Andrew, you hit the nail on the head with that one. Woohoo! You're like the, the, the top prognosticator is that the right word i like it i like it okay we'll go with that uh, of that podcast because really that's what it brought to us it brought just that consistency so kudos to you on that one all right so let's move into the picks of the week uh andrew remember well you're, you're probably looking at the rundown um your pick of the week was something called feed path publisher do you remember what it does which is hilarious because I don't even remember that module nor what it does. I mean, I could probably guess from the name, but yeah, no, it's not like the ones that I've used or some of the others that we're going to say in just a minute. I think it it had something to do with the ability to um, put multiple feeds on or multiple feed sources on a, on a single page. Oh, yeah. And the head tag. Yeah, I, I actually remember this one. Yep. Um, mine was an extremely simple module. We kind of made fun of it a little bit on the podcast because mine was, you know, relatively simple compared to the two of yours. Mine was add another, which if you remember that one, it's like if you add, if you go to your site and go to add a new article, 
after you submit that article in the message, you know, that basically said your article's now been saved or whatever, there's another message saying, would you like to add another article? And that's all it did. And for some reason, I loved it. No, it was nice. Uh, I remember using this one because, you know, if you're mass entering content, it saved you, well, at that time with the UI, because remember the D8 and even the D7 UI has made leaps and bounds over what we had way back when. And it was like four or five clicks to go and add another node of a, that type. Right. No, it was, it was like one of those silly little time savers that, you know, if you needed it, it, it just, it, it saved a lot of time. It just multiplied your time. Ryan, your pick of the week was, let's go to the clip. My module of the week is called Backup and Migrate. Talk about an evergreen pick of the week. Yep. <laughs> well, does it even exist for Drupal 8 right now? It has a beta that came out in October of 2017. Beta 3 of it. Well, that would be why. Because uh, I haven't built any new sites since then. But from a, from a you know, someone, you know, the, the three of us have been around Drupal for at least 10 years. I mean... How many times has Backup and Migrate saved our butts on you know a particular project, either to, to import something or export a database or pass a data? Not, maybe not save your butts, but just save time. It's it's a safety blanket. I mean, I you know until I got to like commercial host, well, commercial Drupal hosting. Let me specify. I just was like, what? This site doesn't have it yet. This site doesn't have version three yet. Like. Version three, by the way, um, wow, I'm not going to remember his name right now, but Ronan or Drew? Uh, yeah, I was thinking of Ronan. And um, thank you so much for version three. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> All righty. Well, I know, Ryan, your time is short, so I want to get to a couple more things uh, with you here. Um, this next clip cracked me up when I heard it because uh, I think it was either late last week or earlier this week, we were chatting on slack about um scheduling this episode and getting it working and andrew made a reference that you know was kind of funny and then as i'm listening to episode one last night i hear or just do what mike Rowe does and record under the uh the sheet or the comforter at hotel <laughs> wow the exact same reference nine years later. So you're, need, you're saying I need to get some new material. You might need to get some new material. <laughs> okay. Decade is too long. Decade is too long. I'll remember that. Okay. Very good. Um, this clip uh, of you, Ryan, I'm not even sure what where this came from, but I, I'm just going to play this one. Wow, that was awesome. So apparently, um, this was as I was about to announce the site of the week for episode one. And, <laughs> oh, site of the week, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Ryan did a, a drum roll like that and completely threw me off. And there's probably about another 30 seconds after that clip of you guys reminding me that that was just the intro and it was time for me to announce the site of the week and the fact that I completely <laughs> forgot to do it because I was thrown off by Ryan's amazing drum roll there. <laughs> so well done Mr. Price um, and then just to show that we're consistent this is how we signed off this is the end of uh, the first episode peace love and Drupal so, yeah. awesome goodbye oh it's <laughs> in there it's in there yeah yeah wow I'm impressed and 
I don't think we've ever once not had a live recording of Sia. We we never like copied old episode Sia, right? No, no, not at all. No, it was always live. It's always live. So the site of the week. This was something that um, both Ryan and I worked on at the time. I think Ryan, you were an employee. I was just a contractor. Yep. Um, but it was a kind of sister sites, fieldandstream.com and outdoorlife.com. Um, and I believe they're both, actually checked last night, they're both still running Drupal. Nice. I remember one had like a really woodsy theme and it was all like dark greens and browns. And all of the panels. Panels. Yeah, I remember I, I, most of the time I, I spent there was panels and views. That had to be early panels. Yeah, oh yeah, it was panels one, I think. Well, prehistory. I remember I, I had to do something with like, some type of slideshow, like configurable slideshow for images or something. Oh, that's right, because at the top it had some kind of like slideshow that was going through with the latest articles or something. Well, and and they had they had all these requests for for slideshows that like you could string different you know like elements of a view together, right? So like each of the view rows would get its own page, and then when you clicked on a button, it would take you to the next page or the previous page, and like you know the magazines and page views, they they had they had identified that pattern really early on. And that they wanted, you know, to increase the number of page views, thereby the number of ads. All right, let's take a minute to uh, thank the sponsor of today's episode, uh, Drupal Aid. Ryan, just for the record, I believe your drum roll was with, uh, like, your lips. Uh, It's true, it's true. Yeah, here, let me just refresh your memory. There you go. Okay, so Drupal Aid, what what an introduction. Thank you, Ryan, for that. Uh, so Drupal Aid was born out of the Drupal Geddon disaster of 2014. Um, so the Drupal Aid folks had been very busy fixing hundreds of sites based on that, and they realized that there was a niche there. They realized that there was an opportunity to uh, create a business out of keeping sites up to date. So they started a Drupal support and maintenance uh, company. And they provide support and maintenance services for Drupal Core 6, 7, and 8 plans start at 99 bucks a month with no setup fees. If there's a critical security update released for uh, a site that they're monitoring, they guarantee same-day updates on that. In addition, if you are a new client and, um, you, and you've been hacked, uh, they provide complimentary malware hacking cleanups uh, for any of their clients. Um, all of their plans have both a, a, a manual and automatic aspect um, to make sure that any updates that they apply work and uh, don't, uh, you know, um, break your site, to be, to be blunt. Um, they also offer flat rate host-to-host Drupal hosting migration. So if you're hosting on, you know, company X and you want to move to company Y, they can do that for you at one flat rate. Um, they have an affiliate program as well. So if you are a web developer or an organization um, that has multiple clients, uh, you can white label their service as well. So that's handy. You can, so you can check uh, all that out at drupalaid.com. That is drupalaid.com. Okay, so the other thing I thought we could do is I came up with three questions um, that we could answer ourselves that are, you know, 
some are predictions um, and some are basically just taking a look back. So I hope the two of you are ready because let's kind of do a round robin here and we'll go, uh, I guess, let's go alphabetically on, this, uh, on these. So Andrew, I'm sorry. Um, well, I don't know if I'm sorry. I'll let you know. Oh, it's okay. Then I get first dibs. That's true. Yeah. So Ryan, hope you're very creative here. Well, it's if you go by first name. I'm going by first name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I am. <laughs> All right, Andrew, uh, since you started with Drupal, what has been the most intriguing change for you? Actually, I think we've already even touched on this. Uh, actually, I know we did. It's fieldable entities. It was such a huge change for me, and it made uh, my life uh, that much better uh, that it's still one of those things I'm like, man, I'm glad we have this. All right, very good. Um, I'll go next on this one. Um, I actually think I remember when we first were involved with Drupal and um, talking about contributing and talking about getting involved. And at the time, you know, thinking back at the time, it always thought to me, or I always thought about getting involved meant getting commits, you know, seeing commits on your user profile. And that was always like the, at the beginning, like kind of a big deal. Whenever you met someone, it's like, oh, you got to get some commits or how involved are you? Let me see how many commits they have. Um, and I think it's been really interesting um, that our community, and it, it's, it's not necessarily unique um, among open source communities, but I, I think we're actually probably a, a ahead of the curve a bit. Um, where our community has made a, 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 a quite the effort to um, take the focus off of commits being the only way to contribute back. Um, and I think that's been like a great thing for our community. Um, you know, we've, you know, there's event organization, there's you know, documentation, there's um, uh, sprint mentors, there's all kinds of ways to contribute back. And uh, in our community, we've really let people know that, you know, you do not have to make commits to be a Drupal contributor. And I think that's been you know, really good for, for, for people uh, inside of the community. Well, I think it's really even increased since we started because now, I mean, I remember back in, you know, my first DrupalCon, it was all like, oh, this person coded this module, this person did this core commit. And now I, I see a lot of the, I'll say superstars, I don't like to use the term rock star anymore, but the superstars of the Drupal community. And they're in a lot of different disciplines and a lot of them aren't even touching code. So I think we've made leaps and bounds in that area. Yeah, I mean, some of the best are just people who know how to communicate and organize. Yep. Right? It doesn't, and that's pretty much life, though, right? You know, some of the most effective people in life are people who can communicate well and can, you know, organize things. Certainly helps. Absolutely. Um, Ryan, how about you? Since you started with Drupal, what has been the most intriguing change that you've seen? It's, it's hard for me to call this a change, but I feel like um, the just like incredible number of things that Drupal has been used for that, you know, like is not on the package, um, including things that are just like community organizing things. So like I visited a Drupal specific co-working space in Los Angeles, uh, I don't know, six or seven years ago. And, you know, you, Mike, have a online Drupal 
coding school, and I'm actually involved in putting something similar together that's all run by volunteer time, um, you know, and there's there's entire companies that exist just to do Drupal security updates. Like there's so many like micro, you know, niches that Drupal has spawned by the virtue of its like size and scale and the people wanting to be more specific with their, their contribution to the ecosystem. I think it's awesome. Yeah. I don't think that, you know, our, our past selves from episode one could have predicted the, the type and variations of, of Drupal, you know, related companies out there. All right, so let's go to question two and we'll mix it up this time. We'll go backwards. So Ryan, you're gonna go first. What is your favorite Drupal moment ever? Oh gosh, you just spring this right on me. I should have been looking at the notes clearly. Yeah, you should have, sorry. All right, I'm, I'm gonna give one that um, if you were there, you, you'd probably say, okay, well, that one was pretty funny. I professed my undying love, but in a totally platonic way, to Angie Byron, uh, in a, you know, 500 year old courtyard in France. And there were many beers. That was hysterical. I completely forgot about that until you just mentioned it. Why don't we have a recording of this? Uh, of, of all the things, of all the stupid things we've said on this podcast, that's the one that we should have had. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, I'll go next on this one. Um, and it was something that both of you were, were present uh, at. Um, the first Florida Drupal camp that you know the three of us and some other folks uh, helped to organize. Um, realizing that, you know, we had been doing that meetup group for a while um, in, in, in Orlando. It was, you know, a handful of people. And we were aware that there were other, some other kind of meetup groups in Florida. But that first Drupal camp that we had at Andrew, your old place of work in, in the office. Yep. It's now a church facility. Is it really? I think there were, what, yeah. 100, 120, 130 people at that first one? Yeah, the first one, yeah, we were right around 150. Oh, okay, 150 people. But just kind of realizing that, okay, there's something here. Like people, a lot more people came to this event than we thought. And a lot more people came to the event than were coming to meet up. So this looks like something that has some momentum that's really cool that has captured people's imagination. That was the first Drupal event I ever went to. Yeah, same here. I remember just thinking, what did we do? There were just so many people. I think that was in 2000. Well, isn't this year going to be year number 10? Yeah. So... Well, yeah, 2018. So, so in 2008 was that first one. And were we were we silly enough to want to do the uh, one day website build on the first one, or was it the second one? Ooh, that was coding for a cause. I think that was the second one because we the first one. Yeah, we only did the one day. I think. Who did did we have a, a keynote speaker? Was that because I know we had Addy Barry come down? Was but I don't think that was the first year. I think that was the second year. Nah. Yeah, that's the second one. Andrew, your favorite Drupal moment ever. 
So mine is also in that first Drupal camp, but I'm not going to say the first Drupal camp uh, because, you know, we, we didn't think it was going to be as big as it was and we didn't have a lot of speakers. I ended up giving like four or five talks that day. It was kind of crazy. But during one of them in the big room, I can't remember who it was, but they came up and said, hey, hey, uh, we're out of toilet paper in the men's room because I was also doing double duty of being the janitor for the building because when, you know, you get 100 plus people all in a area there's you know trash that has to be taken out apparently toilet paper that has to be replaced and i had to weigh do i continue giving my talk or go find some toilet paper i continued giving my talk <laughs> i love the fact that toilet paper is involved in your favorite drupal moment ever oh yeah of course it's outstanding all right, so I'm going to give you two the choice of who wants to go first on this one. I feel I would I feel selfish if I go first on this one in case I take one of yours and I came up with questions. So does either of you want to uh, step up and go first for this question of make a prediction for one big change that that we'll see in the Drupal world in five years? I feel like I'm going to repeat myself on this one, so I'll let you guys go. Okay, then I'll go. Um, I think we're going to continue and then even double down in decoupled Drupal that we're going to have a dedicated back end and probably some type of swappable front end uh, that may be even completely optional. All right, that's, that's quite a prediction. Ryan? Yeah, um, I think it was like a year ago I said this, but um, my, my prediction is that one day someone will just come up with like Drupal as a service that you just sort of like write a config file and then you have a Drupal site. I mean, I guess like we're getting really close to that with like platform SH, you know, um, Acquia Pipeline. Um, I'm going to forget them. Amazio, you know, where you just sort of like put a composer file and, and your site just gets built for you. But, uh, I still feel like it's a little not so accessible to like an end user. Um, so like that, that experience of like, I think I want to have a Drupal and you know, like clicky, 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 it's done. So your prediction is related to mine because mine is something that people have said is, is happening um, slowly and over the past year, Dries has pretty much confirmed it at this point. But I think in five years, Drupal will be seen as mainly enterprise software. I think the the complexity of of the code, the fact that it's it uses Composer and we're we're you know we're bringing in all of these third party dependencies, while great for the code base. Um, it's, you know, it's not very friendly to people on ramping to using a content management system. And I, I think that's, you know, uh, there's a lot of people who are bummed about that, but there's a lot of uh, advantages to, to that as well. But I think in five years, um, it's going to be, you know, an enterprise level CMS and not really talked about in the same way that WordPress and other CMSs are talked about. And that sounds all doom and gloom, but I really don't mean it that way. <laughs> so if I, I guess if I could expand on my on my prediction just quickly, like let's say that there was like Drupal and Drumposer, you know what I mean? And 
the Drumposer tool would basically be like a little app that you still have to, you know, like install on a machine somewhere. But if you had like a, you know, a hosting style that's like the cPanel hosting style, basically you would use this other application to spawn your Drupal site. And, I, and in some ways, um, I've been playing around with the, um, I can't think of what it's called right now. Not host manager. It's it's built off of Agar. Um, uh, anyway, I think you did a podcast about it, Mike. Um, de- web dev shop, dev shop. Oh yeah, dev shop. Yeah. Um, I've been playing around with that a little bit, and like, there's still some setup stuff that you have to do with it, and there's still some things that you have to know. Uh, but you know, like one of the things that even really early on when I was doing Drupal was someone would come to me and be like, I want to build 700 Drupal sites in a month. And I would just laugh at them, you know? Um, But I think that's going to be easier and easier to do, you know, as these tools get more sophisticated. I think, you know, I was actually another prediction that I was thinking about making, but I don't think I really have the expertise to make it was revolved around, um, all of the tools uh, that exist around Drupal for DevOps, but that aren't Drupal, like right because you know you, you know you hit the nail on the head with things like with Agar, but I was actually thinking more of like um, you know we're kind of in a in a little bit of a renaissance with local development environments um, lately. You know we've got some really great Docker-based solutions that are evolving and, and and people are starting to really get on board with whether it's you know, Doc Solar, Lando, or DDEV, or, or people rolling their own. Um, I think with those things maturing, um, with just the general, and I know a lot of people hate the word DevOps, but honestly, I don't know what else to call it, so I'm going to just keep saying DevOps. But with de- the DevOps around Drupal maturing and evolving, um, I think things like that are going to get easier. But I don't think they're going to, I don't think it's going to turn, you know, flip the arrow to go the other direction where, um, we start picking up more and more smaller sites and hobbyist sites. I think that ship has probably sailed. Well, I mean, it's almost even been sailed since the Drupal 7 days, because I remember 6 was, you know, kind of, 7 not so much, and 8 certainly not. So continue that trend, 9, nope. Well, and a prediction I wish I would have made three years ago was that Pantheon would be spending more money on WordPress than Drupal. <gasps> but I think it's true now. It's. I mean, they're different tools for different jobs now, right? Rather than kind of living in that same space, they've diverged. All right. Um, so, Ryan, I actually meant to uh, ask you this before we started recording, but um, I thought it might be fun to do a site of the week, um, just in honor of episode one. And I'm pretty sure that you and your organization re- recently launched uh, a site that um, is uh, more than eligible for site of the week. You want to mention that real quick? Sure. It would it would help if I had the tab open to know exactly what you meant, but I want to say you're going to be talking about mass.gov. Exactly. I didn't even put it in the in the rundown. Yeah. Okay. I win the game. <laughs> I mean, we we made some really cool sites recently, so um, I had to I had to pick my brain. But I personally worked on mass.gov for a while, and um, one of their sister sites, which is the open data website that they call mass.docs, and. Um, yeah, uh, you know, Andrew, were you involved with the Georgia.gov project? Not really. Um, 
No, I mean, I worked for the company that uh, did a, a good chunk of the development of that, but no, I didn't touch it. I, I think that behind Georgia, this is the, like, you know, next big U.S. state government website. And, you know, for people that don't live in the states, um, the way the way we have the United States is kind of weird that, like, each state has its own separate government but then we also have the federal government and stuff like that so i don't i don't know that a lot of other countries have that that kind of setup but you know our states really you know living in florida versus living in oregon versus living in massachusetts is very um there's a lot of there's a lot of intricacies there there's a lot of you know government services that are very specific to the state where you live so the idea of mass.gov is Government websites generally are terrible and not very usable, and they are very specific to how the government is organized instead of what users want to do with that website. So the the mission for Mass.gov was to you know provide a website that the the constituency can easily access, understand where it is they need to go to find the thing they're looking for. You know, I want to get a fishing license. I want to register my vehicle. I want to, you know, get a permit for whatever, um, something that I need to get from the state, you know, that um, was also, you know, super accessible and search worked pretty well. And, you know, like it really needed to hit a lot of these very challenging um, goals and be done in a bureaucratic, you know, and monolithic type way without feeling bureaucratic and monolithic. So um, the team that's there, they have a a pretty large in-house IT team that was pretty new to Drupal. Um, they actually hired Moshe Weitzman for a little while. I think he still technically is the maintainer of the open source version of the mass.gov project that you can find on GitHub. And um, so we at Palantir.net, we worked with them um, as their development partner. They had a design company. They had a training partner. They had um, you know, a lot of different agencies jumping in there to do different pieces of it uh aquia hosting and um they did a really good presentation about it at the aquia partners event which i don't remember what the event is actually called but um i think they they got an award for it also from aquia as being like you know just a good example of cool things you can build so um we'll put up a link to their sort of like it's only like 10 minutes long, I think, from, from Acquia Engage, and it shows like a little video of, you know, what the site is and what it's trying to accomplish. Um, if you're looking for like the tech dirt on it, I believe that Palantir.net is going to be putting out some um, case studies here pretty soon. Uh, I didn't know I was going to be talking about this, but I, I do think it's a really interesting project that you might want to, if you want to follow up on how some of the tech is put together. Um, we use Pattern Lab. Um, for the style guide that the design partner developed and then we turned into a Drupal theme, but it's designed in such a way that if they want to apply this to other tools in the future, they can. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of um, 
you know, we worked on it for over a year and it launched officially over the summer. So it was in development for like a solid, I think, nine months before they released it. It it went into beta pretty early on in that process, but it was like beta, like almost like private beta, like not really publicized very much. And then at one point they like took off the robot's text and let people browse it and, you know, check it out for real. And then at a certain point they were like, okay, old CMS, you're still doing a couple of things, but really it's all about the new website. And, um, you know, one of the things that I did was import 250,000 documents from the old website and have them have good metadata. And there was like machine learning involved with, you know, tagging those documents and stuff. So there's a lot of cool things, things that I've never done on any project before. So big fan. Yaymass.gov. For a quick sense of scale, there's uh, close to 7 million people that live in the state. That's the 15th largest state based on population in the U.S. And this is the biggest thing that will give you the sense of scale is their state bird. It's a black-capped chickadee. (laughs) Outstanding. Outstanding tidbit there, Andrew. Yep. Not sure what to say to that. (laughs) Stunned silence. (laughs) All right. Well, let's move on. Um... Let me mention real quick some Drupal Easy news. We have a, our next long-form class is going to be um, picking up on February 27th of uh, 2018. It's our Drupal Easy and Pantheon class called Mastering Drupal Development Workflows with Pantheon. In this class, we not only um, teach everyone how to get the most out of hosting a Drupal site on Pantheon using um, you know, multi-site and Quicksilver and uh, Solar, but also um, some really fun lessons on Drupal information architecture, uh, configuration management, as well as using Composer um, the right way on a Drupal 8 site. So if you're interested in that, you can uh, just visit DrupalEasy.com and there's plenty of info on, on, on DrupalEasy.com um, about that site. Um, upcoming events, it's, you know, it's the holiday season here um, in the U.S. and uh, a lot of other places. So not a whole lot of events um, happening this month, but, um, you know, far be it for me to miss an opportunity to uh, promote Florida Drupal Camp 2018, which takes place in mid-February, February 16th through 18th, uh, uh, 2018. It's a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, uh, very low-cost trainings on uh, Friday the 16th, um, and then a full day of sessions on Saturday and a half day of sessions on Sunday. Um, we, by the time this podcast is released, I believe that our uh, real official website will be up and all of our featured speakers will be announced by then. So I'm going to um, uh, give a little preview right now. We have uh, Sally Young, who is, uh, works for Lullabot. She will be talking about some decoupled front-end stuff. Um, Andrew Bergstein, I forget what his topic is. He's with uh, Civi Actions. And our third uh, featured speaker, Ryan, hold on. <laughs> Angie Byron, WebChick, will be making her first trip to Florida Drupal Camp. I love her in a totally platonic way. Yes, and you won't be in, you won't be there. No, um, because I have an event. I have an event of my own that's coming up. It's a, uh, it's uh, the arrival of a new member of my family. Uh, 
it's it's a boy, and that's all I'm going to say about it right now. Um, I don't really need to get all super smushy on the podcast. But um, just around that same time, uh, for people who live on the West Coast, not that you shouldn't go to Florida, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. And if I did not have a baby coming, I would be doing everything in my power to go there, especially because it's the 10th year. Um, Okay, well, I guess that minimizes my invitation to the next one. I'm sorry. Uh, But the people here in Portland know of my love for Florida Drupal Camp. Um, So in Portland... There is a an event going on called the Pacific Northwest Drupal Summit. This generally uh, rotates between Seattle, Vancouver, Canada, and Portland, Oregon. Um, Portland is hosting this year. It is February third and fourth, and um, I would say this is not necessarily an event geared towards beginners, as some Drupal camps are very, uh, you know, usually very welcoming to beginners. It's, it's a little more of a developer-centric event. Um, not developer, but like professional, I guess, let's say. Um, and um, I will hopefully be talking about my uh, initiative where we're training a dozen uh, you know, college-age students to use Drupal and sort of generally be web developers um, on a volunteer basis. Um, if you've heard Mike talk about his um, Drupal Career Online program, I am stealing all kinds of ideas from that, uh, except for we found uh, these two nonprofit organizations. One is from Baltimore and one is from Chicago that work with people that have, uh, you know, um, disadvantages in disadvantages. Is that the right word? I'm gonna I'm gonna step over this and because I have not practiced talking to people outside about it. But anyway, um, we worked with some people who are not typically. When you look at a photo of all of DrupalCon, you say like, "Oh, there's maybe someone missing from that group." So we're gonna try to include some of those people in the Drupal community as well by giving them free training. All right, so let's um, come one step closer wrapping this one up. Uh, I want to do five questions because we d- um, this is going to be the first podcast uh, where we have evolved the five questions in, in quite a while. I've actually recorded episodes 201 and 202 already, so I've used these already, but no one's heard them yet. Um, and some of the questions are the same. A couple new ones kind of make them a little bit more fun, I think. Uh, and I was thinking I'm going to ask Andrew. No offense, Ryan. I'm sorry. I just think there's a, a higher likelihood of getting Andrew. I mean, getting Ryan on a, a, a future pod, future podcast quicker than getting Andrew because I know how busy Andrew is. Um, so Ryan, I promise next time I'll ask you these questions. Um, so Andrew, name something interesting you do outside of Drupal. I don't know if it's super interesting, but I am a Cub Scout leader, and that's actually where a lot of my time goes. So. Uh meetings, uh, taking kids, you know, from camp outs, those types of things. Camp Lenoche for the win. Yes. I was just there in October. Yeah. If you're in Florida, if you're, if you're in Cub Scouts in Florida, you know all about Camp Lenoche. <laughs> all right, Andrew, what are we up to? Are we up to Weeblos now? Uh, well, yeah, my son is uh Weeblos two or he's on the path to the arrow of light mm. or trail to the arrow of light. They changed the wording a little bit, but yeah. then, uh, next year I'll be a Boy Scout leader. Awesome. Andrew, what is your favorite all-time movie? Cool. Um, I'm going to go for Fight Club. Uh, it's a difficult one, but that one came to my mind first, so I'm just going with it. I've, 
I worked at a video store for over five years, and I've seen thousands of movies, so that one could take a while. Wow, I would have never predicted Fight Club, but okay. Um, name your favorite music artist. Who, all time or all, like right now? All time. All time, I'll go with the Beatles. Oh, classic. All right. What is the last exotic animal that you hand-fed or held or interacted with in some way? Um, it was probably the gator at last year's Florida Drupal Camp. <laughs> All right, that counts because you definitely held that one. And I'm hoping that this, the answer to this question does not involve toilet paper as well, but what was your tipping point Drupal moment? It, it doesn't, actually. It was... Um... It was uh, roughly nine, maybe ten years ago. Uh, A bunch of us were all met in a library in central Orlando. And it was just, I forget who originally posted it, but it was just a call for, if you're interested in Drupal, meet up here. And that's where the Florida Drupal group, specifically Orlando, but the rest of it also kind of came from. I believe it was Joe Maraca. Oh, yeah, I think, yeah, right. Joe posted it. Andrew, your your Drupal tipping point moment is also my Drupal tipping point moment. Awesome. That was that was the moment that I realized that I wasn't just some you know weird guy with a computer. Yeah, same here. I was I had been thrown into Drupal and I was just kind of like, oh man. And I was like, is this you know even sane? And it, for years I'd worked at places, but I've never you know associated with uh, people who work in a community like Drupal outside of the work so it's kind of interesting to say wow there are, there are other people who aren't forced to do this okay okay um i'm sorry to do this i know you guys are just about to do the sign off but i have to quietly step outside <laughs> slink away mr price okay thanks so much everyone out there this is a giant bear hug from uh, us at the drupal easy podcast and if you're not into bear hugs then um some other sign that we appreciate you and we love you And while you're enjoying the warmth of our affection, um, don't forget about webenable.com and devpanel.com. They have been with us. I don't know if they've been with us from the beginning, but... But pretty close to it, I'll say. A really long time. So definitely check out webenable.com and devpanel.com. If you uh, enjoyed this podcast and want to go back and listen to episode one, I'm pretty sure you can find that still on iTunes um, or drupaleasy.com slash podcast or pretty much anywhere else podcasts are... Um, available. If you want to leave us a voicemail, we haven't done voicemail in a long time, but let me give you the number here in the U.S. Uh, so it's plus one if you're outside the U.S. Uh, area code 321-396-2340. You can always keep uh, in touch with us via Reddit, uh, the Drupal Easy Podcast subreddit. And I think, I think that's just about it. Um, Andrew, where can people find you online? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Andrew M. Riley or any social media at Andrew M. Riley. All right. And Ryan, who uh, just left, is Liberator without the final vowel. So L-I-B-E-R-A-T-R. L-I-B-E-R-A-T-R. I think I said that right. And I'm Ultimike pretty much everywhere. And as always, you can find us at Drupal Easy on Twitter and DrupalEasy.com. Andrew, always great to talk to you. We don't get to uh, hang out nearly enough, but thanks for making time in your busy day and uh, to to join us for episode number 200. Yep, it was fun. I'd need to make more time. And uh, let's sign off the same way we did uh, almost nine years ago. Peace, love, and Drupal. Awesome, goodbye.
You gotta say see ya, so then we can continue not having the recorded ones. Oh. See ya! 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 See ya!